You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. We are partnering with God to raise disciples and, and, and to shape their heart. And we have no control over their heart. We can't change their heart. There's only one heart changer, and that's Jesus. All of spiritual leadership is just taking initiative. It's not being the best theologian in the house. It's not having all the scripture memorized. It's not being the Bible answer guy, although all those things are awesome. Really, it's just the one that's going to take initiative. Like, hey, I'll wake up and make sure we get to church. I'll wake up and read the Bible. Do I know everything that they talked about? No. And I'm okay telling my kids, I don't really understand that either, but let's just keep reading and ask the Spirit to reveal it to us. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my lovely co-host and wife, Mrs. Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? On top of the world. Happy to be here. No, I'm so glad you're with us. And speaking of glad to have with us, we have today author and father aficionado, podcast master, Jared Lopes. Jared! This guy! How you doing? Oh, man, that's way too big of an introduction. I don't. <laughs> I should have said gator wrestler. Gator also, wrestler. like, yeah, that would feel even more accurate than dad, whatever you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Jared was telling us this morning he has an eight-foot gator in his backyard that he likes to tease with a drone and soccer ball and sometimes with his children playing. But that is that is a different life. Dallas, we don't have a lot of gators. You're, you're not scared, though. You don't seem scared at all, not even a little bit. No, man. Actually, the most scared I got was not my kids. My wife was way too bold. She like went down to the pond and was like, no. she's like, I, my wife is like Ace Ventura woman edition. And she's just, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's way into animals. Anyway, that was the most scared I ever got. I was like yelling at her more than I was yelling at my kids. Oh, I think when I picture a, a female version of Ace Ventura, just liking animals isn't the first thing that comes to mind, but I, I <laughs> but I love that. I hope that's a compliment. Well, this is Father's Day week. You got big Father's Day plans this week? No, uh, actually, I just booked my wife a uh, ticket to go back to the West Coast to visit family. Uh, oh. her, her sister's graduating college, so I will be alone, just me and the kids. I'm going to go full Father's Day by myself. This oh, nice. I love As that. It should be. Well, okay, you're here to talk a lot about fatherhood, and we're excited about that. But I'm going to represent the ladies here, and we're going to put you on the spot and ask you, for all the women out there, what do men want for Father's Day? Tell us. Oh, other than a copy of Dad Tired. Yeah, obviously. Holy cow. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I would want a new fishing pole or a gift card where I can go get a fishing pole. Okay. Oh. And maybe a free pass to go fishing for a day. Okay. A free pass. Nice. Like, hey, from my wife, like, hey, I, here's a new card to go get yourself some fishing gear. And I've blocked out this many hours for today. Or the day that you can go out and go fish, a like bit. a little like a fatherhood coupon book that says yeah. you can spend this on some fishing. Yeah, I feel like once men hit like 30, 35, it's you either go fishing, golfing, fixing the car, or staring at your lawn and talking about how good the lawn is coming in this year. So, totally. like seed lures, these are all yep. good ideas. Yep. Chelsea, what do you think of that answer? You feel good about it? Yeah, I just you know, don't you want to fish with the kids? Totally. I would even be okay with that. I would be okay with that. Like just, you know, take the kids and go fishing that that's still actually, I, it did. That's not stressful for me at all to take the kids fishing. I, that's really life giving to me. So that's awesome. Good. Or maybe get a saddle for that gator and take him out fishing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Be awesome. Well, let's jump in. Uh, Jared, we've known each other for a little bit. I'm such an appreciator from afar of all the work you do. 
Love Dad Tired, the podcast, the book, the resources that you've done since the book. Everything you do is great. But for those listeners who are brand new to you, would you tell us just a little bit about, man, your family and your ministry? You've mentioned your Ace Ventura wife. We are aware that you have kids. Tell us a little about the Lopes family and about your ministry. Yeah, man. Uh, married 13 years to my bride. Her name is Layla. And she's just, I married way up. She's a gift. I'm sure we'll talk more about marriage and stuff as we dive in. Uh, I have four kids, 12, kind of two sets. So I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old and then a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, we thought we were done with the first set, and then we decided to keep going. So, uh, four kids, and we lived here. In, we live here in South Carolina. We just moved here from uh, the West Coast in Oregon. I was born and raised in California. I always like to say, like, and I'm a Christian. I know that's like really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> from the West Coast, Portland, and California, people are like, "No way, you're a Christian." But I am a Christian uh, from there, and uh, yeah, we run a ministry called Dad Tired, which is. We're just trying to equip men to lead their family well. So as many resources as we can put out to help guys lead their family well and feel more confident in that area. So books, podcasts, conferences, retreats, things like that. Yeah, and you're so good at it. I'm so grateful for the work you're doing, hmm. investing in men in a generation in which men really, really need it. Hmm. Now, you've written this great book. You've got a Dynamite podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about like how do those things help dads? Like, What is the goal? What is the what is the direction, the trajectory that you're taking those things on? Honestly, man, uh, it started in a in a really rough season of my own life in marriage. And I can get into that as much as you think would be helpful. But I remember looking for resources as a man, kind of struggling in my own journey as a father and husband, and just as a man myself, and feeling like there wasn't a bunch of stuff out there, or the stuff that I was finding was kind of like a man up, you know, like you better get yourself together, figure this stuff out. And it was like, well, dude, if I could do that, I would do it, you know, but I yeah. felt just the the shame was coming because I didn't feel like I was doing a very good job at all. And so my goal with Dad Tired has always been to point guys back to the gospel. I always say we trick guys. So dad, when you talk about dad stuff, it's pretty non-threatening. Most dudes would feel like they want to be a better dad. I, most guys are like, you know, I got a lot of room to grow, but I really want to grow as a dad. Mm. If we were saying marriage stuff, like if I said, hey, we're going to do a marriage conference, probably guys won't sign up. Even men's conference, like it's hard mm. to get guys to show up. But when you talk about dad stuff, they're like, yeah, I want to be a better dad. Like we'll sacrifice to, to give my kids the best version of myself that I can do. But I say all that because we we kind of trick them. We, we talk, we, we lure guys in through talking about dad stuff, but really we're talking about gospel stuff. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is most guys aren't leading well because they feel a deep sense of shame, right. either past sin or current sin, or they're just not living the life that they felt like they should be at this point in their life. And we just want to remind the guys like the gospel, God should have bailed on all of us and he didn't. And that's the good news of Jesus, that the Bible, instead of it being one page long, is thousands of pages long because God pursues broken and messy people. And when guys really start to understand and rest in the gospel truth, they just naturally become better husbands, fathers, and disciples as a result. I love that. that uh, you, you don't even know how much I love that. That's so good, Jared. That's awesome. And all the work that you've done writing, producing this podcast, tell us some of your favorite lessons that you've learned about fatherhood, from especially from your guests and your research. I love when guests point us back to, again, that that gospel truth, not behavior modification. Um, I, I'm, I'm always encouraged when we talk about what it looks like to parent hearts versus parent behavior. Yeah. And just being reminded, uh, we we just did a episode, again, we reposted an episode with Paul David Tripp, and he was on, and he just shared like so much, he just kept pointing us back to that idea that we are partnering with God to raise disciples. 
and, yep. and, and to shape their heart. And we have no control over their heart. We can't change their heart. There's only one heart changer, and that's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. And so just kind of resting in that, like God is already, he loves our kids. He's, he picked me to be their dad. He picked you to be their dad and their mom. Like that was just such rest in that. Um, and he will equip us to do that work. And at the end of the day, I'm not just trying to manage behavior, which I think for all of us parents, we get caught in that. So I get, I know in my head, like I want to shape their hearts. I want to be part of heart change. And yet I find myself so quickly going back to behavior change because yeah. it's faster. It's stop doing that. Get to your, you know, whatever you need. Like most of it revolves around, I have to do accomplish things in my own life and I don't want you to get in the way or I don't want you to embarrass me or I don't want you to make me mad and flustered. Right. And so then I just quickly go to behavior modification. And when I'm reminded to just slow down and like what's going on in their hearts, I'm just such a, I parent so much better when I can slow down and do that. But uh, it takes a, a ton of time. We, we parent behaviors because it's faster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Heart shaping is way slower. Hmm. That's true. You're right about that. So from the men that you've ministered to up close from far away and hearing back from them, from your perspective, and we want to talk especially about new dads who are, you know, just had a kid or working on their first kid. What do new dads need to hear right now in terms of how to be encouraged and admonished besides the gospel, but it's always the gospel. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, two things I would say to new dads would be, the first one is before the creation of the world, God picked you to be the dad of that child. Mm. I just really believe in God's sovereignty over that. And so the fact that God gave your child or children a parent who wants to love Jesus and do this thing well is evidence that he's already chasing their hearts. So praise God for that, right? I didn't have a dad around. I certainly didn't have a dad around that wanted me to love Jesus. That wasn't a priority for him at all. And God still saved me, praise God. But the fact that you are as a dad or as a new dad or uh, you know you're longing to be a dad and you want to do it well dude that's he's working in you it shows that he's working in you and he's already chasing down your kids so praise god for that the other thing i would say is you will be the best dad when you are most healthy as a man hmm. and so there's so many things you can do as a dad date nights and uh cool gifts and surprises and all you know there's just play sports and coach, all the, there's so many things you could do. But the greatest thing you can do is to be a healthy man. And to be a healthy man, it's just you got to address the junk in your life that you probably been pushing down for a long time. It will be exposed and it will be magnified as you have kids. And so if you want to be the best dad possible, face your stuff head on. Like book a counseling session, talk to some friends, go to start going to church, finding some friends around you that you can confess sin to. Like whatever you need to do just to stay healthy and as you do that, spiritually, emotionally healthy, um, you will be a better father to your kids. That's great. I, Jared, I love what you're saying. I want to get back to some of what you said earlier about morality and hearts. And I know Chelsea's going to take us there in a second, but I just want to set up the difference. I think you're, you're speaking so well about people who love Jesus and chasing Jesus. You grew up without a father. Your background in Portland, California, you're very familiar with kind of a secular culture of fatherhood or or even absent fatherhood or passive fatherhood. Help us understand, like, what is the difference between a guy who wants to be a good dad and a Christian man who wants to be a good dad? There's a there's a lot of people out there that want to be good fathers. What's different for us as Christians when we think about fatherhood? Man, that's such a good question. So I would say the biggest piece, I actually just talked about this on our podcast. The biggest piece is identity. Okay. 
So you can have a great dad who doesn't love the Lord, and the thing, the foundation, the thing that will change from that guy versus that guy versus the Christian dad is how we shape identity in our children. And identity is like it shapes everything. Who we believe we are, who we believe God is, shapes literally everything (laughs) from career choices to spouse choices to how I behave throughout the day. I mean, it affects everything. So if I'm not a Christian, but I'm just a good engaged dad, my identity might start, I might try to get my kids to find identity in things and uh, status and stuff. So, hey, you got to work really hard, get good grades. You got to be the best on your baseball team. You got to go get the best job, work hard. You can make a lot of money. You can provide, all these are identity statements. You will have value based on your behavior and what you can achieve in life. Great dads will do that. I'll coach you. I'll help you with homework. I'll, I'll teach you to be moral. But all of this is rooted in, I want your identity to be in what you can accomplish and what you can do and what you can succeed in life. Uh, the Christian dad says, listen, none of that really matters. You can suck at baseball and you still are loved by me and you're loved by Jesus. You can fail at school and you're still loved by me and you're loved by the Father. Your identity has nothing to do with that. That's right. And so it, it, identity is like the big distinguishing factor in my mind between a good moral dad and a dad who's trying to point his kids back to Jesus. I love that. Thank you for that. One of the things you say in your Dad Tired book is that God does not want you to simply raise moral children. He wants their hearts to be radically in love with His. How does a father pursue something like that in a practical way? What does that look like? I think raising kids who understand, again, their identity in Jesus will shape their behavior more than just behavior change itself. So, for example, I could say something to the effect of to my kids, hey, you better share your toys. It's the nice thing to do. What I'm doing is really just trying to shape their behavior. Like, I need you to do this. Share your toys because we want to be nice people. Or I could say, as a, as a Christian father trying to see everything through the lens of the gospel, hey, we're a family who's been saved by Jesus. We've been saved by God. God shared everything he has with us. Incredible. This is why we share. It's who we are. We are sharers because we serve a God who shares. That's a really practical example of like, I'm not just, again, trying to get their behavior to change. I want them to understand their identity and their hearts change by the gospel. And then as they go out into the world, hopefully we've practiced that 10,000 times a year (laughs) for 18 years in little 15-second moments uh, to the point where they start to see the world through the lens of the gospel and not just like, well, I better do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. That's awesome. Amen. Well, in y'all's house, what does spiritual leadership look like for you and how has that changed as your kids have grown? And maybe specifically with the two separate age groups you have in your house, what's your spiritual leadership look like for your kids? Yeah, it's totally, it's weird to have like, uh, you know, I have a preteen and so a boy who's about to hit puberty and step into the journey of manhood, which is just like, for me as a dad, it's really scary and really exciting because I I was just telling somebody the uh, the other day, like, I remember how scared I felt in that season of life. I grew up with my mom and three sisters. And so I hit puberty. I'm like journeying into manhood and I have nobody to talk to about that. And I remember feeling so scared. And so to have a boy now in my home who's stepping into that journey and just, I keep telling him like, dude, it's going to, you're going to go through so much stuff. Like it's going to be terrifying and weird and you're going to feel all kinds of things you've never felt, but I am going to be with you the whole time. I'm going to walk you through that whole journey. Mm -hmm. Like just such an honor. I feel so grateful, but it's weird. Like having that conversation and then walking downstairs and catching my two-year-old drawing Sharpie all over the wall and like needing (laughs) to change your diaper. You know what I mean? Like 
Uh, so it is a there is totally a contrast for ages. But so for older kids, first I'll just say this: all of spiritual leadership is just taking initiative. It's just like it's not being the best theologian in the house. It's not having all the scripture memorized. It's not being the Bible answer guy, although all those things are awesome. Really, it's just the one that's going to take initiative. Like, I'm going to be the first, hey, I'll wake up and make sure we get to church. I'll wake up and read the Bible. Do I know everything that they talked about? No. And I'm okay telling my kids, I don't really understand that either, but let's just keep reading ask the Spirit to reveal it to us. So it's just initiative. But I would say for my younger kids, um, what it looks like is we read the Jesus Storybook Bible at night to my two and four-year-old. I love that. I, I find myself like getting teary-eyed as I read that gospel story all the time. Uh, and then for my older kids, we are trying to read a chapter of the Bible a day. So we just finished Mark and we just, we literally, j- there's no like extra book. There's no devotional. There's no pre-questions that I go through. I'm not studying ahead of time. I just wake up, we open the Bible, we read one chapter a day and we talk about what sticks out. Mark is a great one for older, as kids are getting older, because it's so action-packed. It moves really quickly for your kids. But then the goal is, How do we take the things that we've read and try to fit that into a 15-second conversation as many times throughout the day as possible? Mm. So this is what Jesus did. He taught his disciples the scripture, or he pointed them back to the scripture, and then he used real-life examples as he walked around, Deuteronomy 6, like as you're walking, as you're lying down, as you're sleeping, as you're eating, whatever you're doing, point them back to Jesus. And so we use the word as like the foundation, and then an an intentional dad or mom throughout the day is looking for 15-second moments to point them back to those things that we read about earlier or last night. Hey, friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards.
Right. You say one of the things you say in the book, Jared, is that the question isn't whether we are leading our children, rather it's what we are leading them toward. That's something we kind of talk about all the time as we talk about family discipleship. Everybody's discipling. Everybody's leading. And you're so good at being vulnerable with this. I feel like people might start to get the picture in what we've said so far that Jared is some kind of super dad. He definitely doesn't set himself up as super dad, perfect dad, expert dad, he is so gifted in this area, but I think you're also gifted in vulnerability. I'm wondering if you would share with us some of maybe the struggles you have when it comes to leading your family, maybe specifically think about what are you hoping your kids aren't going to learn from you as you're leading your kids, as they're watching Jared be a dad? I think every dad, if he's honest, feels like he's fallen short in some way. I feel that constantly. What terrifies me is that I'm running a ministry for dads. Yeah, And I mean that sincerely because I'm worried that my kids will grow up and be like, man, dad really cared about all the other dads and all the other kids for those dads. I pray and I hope that they don't say that, but I could see sometimes why they would say it. Uh, and it terrifies me. So, I mean, that just being really vulnerable, that's like, that's like a big fear of mine that they would, that they would say, man, dad loved every other dad and everyone else's fatherhood journey. But mine, I just really... My kids see me on stage and they hear podcasts and they hear the books. And I just really want to, that, that goes back to that question of like just being healthy. You know, like I just really want to be healthy. I want to finish this race well Yeah. for the sake of my, my personal kids, not for my ministry, not for my work, not for anything else, but just for the sake of my kids. Like I want, I, if I am on my deathbed, by God's grace, I get to live an old life and I'm, and I'm laying around surrounded by my kids. I don't care if they say a word about my career. Like, I just don't care at all. But I really want them to say, like, dad, dad finished well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's all I can. And so I just, I just signed back up for counseling myself. Like, I'm, I meet with people, I counsel people, but I just signed it up back up for myself because I'm just like, man, dude, I just really, really want to finish well for my own kids. I want to be healthy for like my family. Not for my work, not for all this stuff, but just for my family. I want to be really, really healthy. So I don't remember exactly what your question was, but that no, was the, that was. The I, th- I think your answer is really t- it's um, it's touching something in my heart for sure. One, because I think Chelsea and I share some of the trepidation that comes with when somebody's asked you as if you are some kind of expert. What might your kids walk away with one day if you're going? You wrote about this. You spoke about this. And people had expectations that you knew better. And yet look how hurt I am or look Mm -hmm. how ignored I was. Or I just feel like that extra scrutiny from another family. If one of our kids were to misbehave to go, man, look at Chelsea and Adam, they're supposed to be some kind of Mm -hmm. better parent. And here's their kids struggling. And I don't want my kids to have that level of scrutiny to say that they've got to endure something more difficult because we've been willing to minister to others. Yeah. At the same Jer- time, Jared, I want to encourage you and say, man, I, my prayer for you is that your kids are so proud of how God used their dad to bless others. And because of your vulnerability and honesty, you're not going to walk through a level of hypocrisy with them saying dad knows what he's doing all the time, but rather really honestly creating and fostering a new generation of kids who get to say, man, I'm so proud of my dad. He always told me he loved me. He knows he wasn't perfect. He owned what he had to own. And knowing the God that we follow, there's a really high percentage chance that that's exactly the family that mm. you're leading right now. Mm. Is so, kids man. that will Thank one you. day say, man, I, I'm so grateful I was born into the family I was born into. Mm. And my dad was so honest with me about his own mistakes, but also about how much he loved me mm. and how good Jesus was and how desperately I needed him. Mm. 
Dang, bro, you can get me all choked up. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, well, I mean it. I mean it. I mean, I, I think you have a lot to be grateful for, and your kids mm. will have a lot to be proud of. Mm. And I hope that's the future God has for both of us. Mm. Now, I want to talk for a second. We have, you know, a lot of our listeners are moms, and they're listening to this. Maybe if right when it comes out, it's Father's Day week. And I think when they hear you talk about spiritual leadership in the home, the potential is also that there's some grief in their heart going, man, I wish my husband was initiating the way that Jared describes, or I wish he was, you know, saying, let's read the book of Mark. And it's just not, maybe he's not reading his Bible. Maybe he doesn't know God. If, if you have this moment right now to speak to a mom or a wife who's listening and their husband is not spiritually engaged in their family, how would you advise her? What does she do? What wisdom do you have for her is to both maybe, how does she lead her kids and uh, maybe without his participation? And maybe also how can she kind of draw him into that, encourage that in him or how, how to think about that rightly? What would you say to that mom this morning? Man, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So I apologize in advance if I ramble here, but oh, uh, let's hear them all. Yeah, go crazy. <laughs> First, for the wife that's listening and feels that you are in the majority that's most mm. wives, Christian wives, don't have a husband who's leading. Like this, just statistically speaking, more women are engaged in the spiritual development of their kids than men are. So if you feel like, man, I've got the one husband who's not, it's not true. That doesn't make it better or worse or easier pill right. to swallow, but it's just that's most wives feel that. I get my, my email is full of wives who say, how do I help my husband lead well? So that's the first thing I would say. Uh, second thing I would say is I was raised without a dad. My mom had to carry that mantle by herself, and God still saved me, and he's using me. And so your kids aren't doomed if your husband is not engaged. I know you want it, and I think that's God's best. I think God designed it so that a husband would lead in this area, but God's hands are not tied if he's not leading in that area. God still loves your kids. He can do, he doesn't need you as a mom and he doesn't need your husband uh, or the father in their life to do it. That's what he wants. And he will, and that's his design, but his hands are not tied. If that is not the reality, God can use rocks and trees to save. And so he can do whatever he wants in your child's life. And so just take rest in that. Like the fact that they have a mom who wants them to see, pray over your kids. I started praying real specific prayers uh, even as my two-year-old, as I lay her down, I'm praying specific prayers over her out loud so she can hear. I'm just praying and believing. Spirit, even bigger than me, I, I pray that you'd save this kid and that you would use her for your glory, that she'd have massive impacts for the kingdom here on earth. And so pray for your kids. God can do what he wants to do. So that'd be the other thing I would say. Uh, there was a season in my life, I had been in ministry over a decade, and I had really fallen away from the Lord like hard. I won't go into all the details just for the sake of time, but I had planted a church that failed and I was deeply hurt. I was going through a major identity crisis. And instead of drawing toward my wife, I drew, pushed her away, pushed my kids away. I had two kids at the time, pushed them away. I was deep in sin, like isolation. Just I, I wanted nothing to do with the church and God's people, none of it. I was in a dark spot. And my wife felt so frustrated because she was like, what do I say? He's a pastor. He's preached on this hundreds of times. Like, what am I going to give him a Bible verse? Am I going to tell him he needs to lead spirit? Like he knows all of this stuff and yet he's still far from God. So my wife, I didn't know this. We were in the middle of a fight and I said something to her on purpose to hurt her. She's like emotionally really, really tough. So I just thought I'm going to just say something hurtful to just break through her, her good argument skills and just like try to hurt her emotionally. And so I said something in my immaturity and stupidity 
to hurt her. And I did. And it, she got tears in her eyes. And I remember thinking in that moment, this is how dark of a place I was in. I remember thinking, I'm winning. Like, finally, I'm up. She can't outsmart wow. me. She's just hurt. She's crying. And she looked at me and she said, Jared, I want you to know that I've been waking up at two in the morning every morning. And I've been going in the living room and I've been begging God to capture your heart again. And that was the moment God recaptured my heart. The Bible says in Romans that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. And it was the kindness of God through my wife that led me to repentance, that drew my heart back. It wasn't her nagging. It wasn't her giving me more Bible verses or you better step up or read this book. It was literally her prayers and her kindness that turned my heart back to Jesus. And so I know that's like kind of a churchy, fluffy answer for the wife who's listening, who wants some kind of practical thing. There's The, the reality is, as a wife listening, you do not possess the power to change your husband's heart. As frustrating as that is, you don't possess that power. There's only one heart changer. It's the Spirit of God. You need Him to do what you cannot do. And so the most practical thing you can do is to pray, to pray, to pray, and then to keep living a life that just honors the Lord, that He would feel encouraged and sometimes convicted, like, wow, my wife, look at the way that she lives. And we pray that the Spirit of God moves in him in such a way that he would repent of his sin, that his heart would be softened, and that the kindness of God through you would soften his heart, lead him to repentance, and come back to the Lord. Amen. Praise God for that. Thanks for sharing that part of your story. I'm sure a lot of men can relate to something about that. And you're right. The wife has no power, right? And the Bible says that, that a woman is, is going to want to control her husband. And so we need to just be pushed back to the Father and... Um, to know that he loves us and that we can pray for our husbands and that God hears that. Jared, if a dad listening is having just a real battle with his own guilt about his failures and struggles around leading his family, how would you encourage him right now? Yeah. Again, I, I like we talked about earlier, I think that so many dads feel that. Here's the thing I would tell you, listener, if you're a man listening and you do feel a deep sense of guilt and shame and kind of you're paralyzed by, I'm not doing this very well. The root of all of that, the foundation of that, all of that is the idea that God must not really like you or be proud of you because you're failing in some way. Mm. And, uh, and I'm just going to, if I may, like gently and grace with grace, tell you, brother, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. You are committing idolatry. You've made up a God in your head because that's not the God of the Bible. If you have confessed your sin, uh, and God has been faithful and just, as the Bible says, to save you and adopted you in as son, you are no longer seen by your failures and your sin and your shortcomings. He sees you as a full and complete through the eyes of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the cross of Jesus. You're, you're just a son that he's delighted in. That's it. Like As much as you want to pour guilt on yourself or shame on yourself, he's just, you're, you're thinking about your past and your sin a lot more than Jesus is. He sees you as redeemed and whole. And so he, he just wants good for you. Praise God. That's the, the good. It doesn't make sense. It's why it's amazing grace. It just doesn't make sense. And so if you're believing, if you if, again, if you feel kind of paralyzed by your shame, you're just, you're thinking of a different God. And that's yeah. not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible from the very first pages to the very last pages pursues broken and messy people. He takes their mess as they confess their sin and try to live righteously. He takes all of that. And he starts to make it new. And that's what he wants to do in your life. And so you can wallow in your shame and your guilt, but you're just worshiping a different God. Because the God of the Bible would say, come to me, son. I love you. I'm delighted in you. Every time I think about you, it brings a smile to my face. I know every hair on your head, every thought that runs through your head. And I love you and I'm proud of you. So now go lead well by my spirit that's put inside of you. Go lead well. That's the God of the Bible. Mm. Uh, and that 
should motivate you. Even as you hear that, you should feel the spirit of God in you. Like, whoa, I am a son. I am an adopted son. And, uh, and you should just, now that's your motivation to step up, not to get your behavior right or to try to do all things, but just the, 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 the joy of your salvation would motivate you to go be the husband and father and disciple that God's calling you to be. Mm. Jared, that was awesome. That is so good and so true and so needed. I love that. I love, you know, to, to tell dads, when you find a lack of mercy in your heart towards yourself, God is more merciful than you are. Mm. That is such, that is the truth right there. That is a foundation rock to build your fatherhood journey on to say, man, I am shaming myself. Or honestly, we also took the time to think of the, maybe it's not quite the other end of the spectrum, but another struggle of pride saying like, no, I am a better dad than other dads. To say similarly, you're walking in an idolatry that says you don't need God as much as you actually do. So to strike that balance, which is so hard to say like a, a, a dad who thinks rightly, thinks of himself confidently, but not pridefully, and thinks of himself as uh, vulnerably broken, but not shamefully. Yeah. And to say, both of those are twisted versions of what God's given you, a reminder that you need him, a reminder that you desperately need him. Yeah. Now, why do you think, you know, we talked about identity earlier. Why do you think, is it is it because of identity that men find it so easy to excuse their lack of engagement at home by saying, well, I'm working and providing their family? Is it identity that makes them go, well, i I, I love to do this other thing. It's it's fishing. It's golfing. It's it's my lawn. It's 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 my car. It, why do you think it's so easy for men to choose something over their families? Is it that need for affirmation, or is it just that uh, feeling of guilt around what they're supposed to do that's more important? Why is it so easy for men to choose something else to to run to idolatry? Man, don't you think that all of us as men, in some shape or form, are just longing to hear, "Well done, son." You're doing yes. a good job. Proud of you. Like all of us and some, and, and some of us have pretty deep dad wounds and some not others, but I, all of us are just longing to hear like, hey, I'm proud of you. You got what it takes. You did a good job. And uh, we don't really hear that at home or feel that at home. So we don't, I can go to work and crush it. I might be in sales and I can make three sales today. And my boss is like, boy, crush it. You did a good job. Here's a raise. Here's a bonus. Here's a, you know, there's, there's a quick feedback loop. Somebody's telling me I'm doing a good job. So why would a, a man, of course, is going to run back to that? Like I can see the fruits of my labor pretty quickly. I can work hard and then we'll justify it. Well, I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours because I want to provide for my family. Really what you want is to hear boy, You're doing yeah. a good job. And, uh, and you just feel like you can do that better. You can feel like you're more accomplished at work. You know how to do it. Whether you're a welder, a plumber, a sales guy, an executive, like most of us as men just want to feel like we're doing well at something. We've, we, we got something figured out. We're, we're competent at something and we don't always feel competent at home. Yeah. And so we just run to that. And some of it, it, it could be the things you said, I can mow my lawn. I was literally out. I'm convicted as you say it. Cause I was literally going to be late to this meeting. Cause I was in my front yard looking at my like, like lawn, <laughs> you know, I'm like proud. I'm like, all right, what do, what do I need to do here? What plant can I put here? You know, I'm just like, so <laughs> stupid, you know, it's just such stupid stuff, but do you feel right. good about it? You feel competent about it. It was like, oh, I wonder what the neighbors will think. They'll probably think this is right. a nice yard, you know, who cares? Yeah. But it's way easier to see that lawn grow in the next couple months than it is to try to shepherd my child's heart for the next five years and not once hear them say, dad, you're doing a good job. Wow. Mm-hmm. You remember that talk you gave me last year? I've been really chewing on that and that's shaping my heart. Dude, <laughs> no kid saying that. No right. kid saying. So I'm hoping that maybe 20 years from now, I might see the fruit of my labor where my lawn will show me the fruit of it in a month. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or my work will show me the fruit of it in a couple of weeks. 
So I just think guys run to what they're good at. But the thing is, uh, and what we need to be reminded to as men is like, dude, when I'm laying on my deathbed, nobody's talking about my lawn. That's right. In a trillion years from now, we're not talking about my lawn, but my kids might be singing next to me. They might be standing next to me, worshiping the Savior with me in a trillion years. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's crazy to think about. So I guess putting in this 20 years, this 18 years, whatever, to like try to raise some kids, right now I might not see the fruit of it, but dude, you'll see the fruit of it. And it, and this dumb lawn or that sale you made or that fish you caught or that truck you got, like who cares? Nobody's going to be thinking about it in 10,000 years. Yeah. And I think what you're touching on too is such the root of conflict in so many homes where men would then say, you know, if if my wife was just more encouraging and more affirming then maybe I would do these things. Or my kids would just give me that feedback when really what we're not saying is like, hey, look to the right place for affirmation and let that be your home. I think what you're saying is like, hey, Christ has affirmed you as his. You are adopted son of God. Find your identity there and you won't have to worry about, like work can be a good thing. Lawns can be a good thing. Family can be a good thing, but none of them need to become your idol and none of them need to become the root of your identity. And that kind of easy, quick affirmation that you might find in something you have more control over than a person is going to be empty compared to what you could have. You already have if you know Jesus Christ. That's good. As kind of a last question before we wrap up with you, Jared, I'd love for you to think, think about the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, Jesus writes these letters to churches. And he says things like, here's what I think you're doing great at. And then here's what I hold against you. Here's Mm. what I want to commend in you. And here's what I wish was different. Mm. If you kind of the guy who writes about fathers, the guy who podcasts about fatherhood, if you think about our generation of fathers and think about, man, this is what I think our generation of fathers deserves to be commended in. This is what I love about it. But here's what I'm holding against them. Here's what I wish was different. Mm. What would you share with us as we conclude? Like, what are dads that we can say, man, this generation seems like this is going really well. But I think if we were going to say, this is what really needs to change, here, here's what needs to be different. What do you think? Man, powerful question. Um, so first thoughts are, if I go to the park today, if I take my kids to the park today, I'm going to see a lot more dads at that park than if my mom took me to the park when I, when I was little, right? That's true. Yeah. Dads are really engaged. Young dads, typically, like, they're more engaged than I think they used to be. Mm-hmm. My grandpa used to say, like, I didn't change a diaper in my life. And he was proud of it, right? I made it through parenting. I never had to change a diaper in my life. And it's like, okay, well, that there's some stuff that we probably yeah, should do. Somebody, somebody <laughs> changed the diaper, <laughs> yeah, though, yeah. right? I yeah, hope. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now I understand why my mom was hurt in this area. You know, those kind right. of things. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think we've, as men, we recognized all the things that we long to have in our father that we didn't have. So it was bigger than you just kept a job and you provided for us. We wanted more, dad. We wanted you emotionally. We wanted you to be there for us. We wanted to be you to be a guide as we went through the journey of manhood. So I think you're seeing it swing hard and now you have dads who are doing the dishes and changing diapers and going to the park, sliding down. Like the parks are full for the most part in many places with dads who are engaged. So that's well done. Like dad, we need more dads to show up. That's awesome. I think though, we can't just end it there. And I think that this is what we talked about earlier, the difference between a good moral dad and like a spiritual leader. Ultimately, we we don't just want to be good dads. We want to be, we want to be tour guides for lack of better words of like, how do I constantly point out to my kids about the kingdom of God? We need spiritual leaders. And so a lot of dads feel like, hey, I'm trying my best to be a good dad, but I don't really feel like I'm a spiritual leader. I would just say to you, dad, like you're doing a good job. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you're doing a good job. Like you're engaged, but keep pointing their eyes back to Jesus. He's a better dad than you. They will ultimately need the better father than you. And so keep stumbling your way forward. Be clumsy. If you've got a two-week-old or a 20-year-old, just be clumsy, stumble your way towards pointing their eyes back to Jesus as many times as you can. He is a better foundation than all of it. And so, yes, dads are doing a really good job, but also let's make sure that we're pointing them back to just not dad's funny jokes and dad's presence, but the presence of God, the the much better father. Amen. Well, before we let you go, Jared, we'd love to hear from you. Like you've been such a gift to us and our listeners today. What are some ways that our listeners can bless you and your family? What are, how do they keep up with you? But also like, how can we pray for your family today? Oh man. Thank you. Um, prayer for my marriage always. Like anytime somebody says, how can I pray for you? I just say, always say prayer for my marriage. I, it genuinely, I don't, I don't mean this to sound like churchy or fluffy. It genuinely feels like the front lines of the battle. Mm. I'll go speak somewhere. And like the day before, Layla and I, there'll be something that comes up, you know? And I just feel like, I've heard someone say, this is probably really cheesy, but I heard somebody say like, everyone's like, I don't remember, three decisions away from being homeless or something like that. I don't don't remember what this was, but I always feel like everybody's like three decisions away from like just ruining everything. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and I just don't want to, I really, really, really want to finish this race well. And so, and I know the front lines of all that, even before my kids, are, is my marriage. And so just pray that God would protect us, keep us united. And uh, we write stories in our own heads all the time in our marriage. It's crazy how how fast we write a story in our head about our spouse or about our marriage in general. So I just don't want to do that. I want to I want to be on the same page and same team as my wife and, and run well with her. And then, you know, practically, like I said, we have a podcast and stuff, all that stuff is a, and is a way distant second, but you know, if they want to get involved in dad tired, just dadtired.com. That's excellent. And I do encourage dads. If you're listening, one of the things Jared does, it's not just putting content out on a podcast. He really does create opportunities for dads to interact with each other and with him to find community there and to build relationships that are going to help you be a better dad. And by that, like he said so many times, he's not just talking about tips, tricks, strategies. He's talking about helping you follow Jesus as you lead your kids to follow Jesus. So I'd encourage you to check out dadtired.com. And then we will be praying for your marriage. And we're so thankful for your time today, Jared. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors. Share this episode with one of your friends. And if you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners, and we will see you again soon. Happy Father's Day.